Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Oh, why don't we jump to our feet and clap our hands and praise Him this morning. Oh, hallelujah. We love you, Lord Jesus. We are so thankful for who you are. Come on, let's just magnify him. Let's just praise him for his goodness. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We glorify you. We magnify you in the name of the Lord. Somebody shout in the name of the Lord. I was just this week, just this week in Mississippi on Thursday and Friday and in that district come to find out that they were uh, the ones behind the Roe versus Wade bill that the Supreme Court overturned. There were apostolic people that were a part of that, that had written that, that turned this thing around. Can you say amen? I think it's powerful what God is doing. There's a revival in the land. There is a revival in the land. Matter of fact, the other Supreme Court case that was heard earlier last year to allow churches to continue to have church during the pandemic was by our superintendent of the SoCal District, an apostolic preacher. There was a group of them that got together. The rest of them bailed out. He was the one left that got the bill to go through the Supreme Court case that gave us the liberty again to have church services. I'm telling you what. Something's happening among the anointed people of God. I think we've got a right to praise Him. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. We're gonna pray today. Yesterday I was I was in yesterday I was in the airport. The lieutenant governor was at the meeting I was speaking at of the state of Mississippi. Yesterday we happened to be flying out at the same time we were sitting together. And uh, we were just talking about churches involved in politics, church involved with our, um, uh, the people in our communities. And he said, Pastor, listen. He said, the church has always been the anchor of our communities. I said, well, that happens to be the name of the church, uh, Pastor. Amen. <laughs> Can I tell you right now, we need a church that's standing for righteousness. Amen. God's not done with our country. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done. Can you shout amen? We are going to pray. We, we are going to pray this morning before we jump in the word. We're, we're, I think really before we pray, we need to be thankful. We need to be thankful that we can have church every single day of the week if we want to. We need to be thankful for the turnaround that's happening in our country. We need to be thankful for our families that are here with us today. Would you just be thankful right now and bless his name? God, we are thankful for our health. We're thankful for our prosperity. We're thankful for our freedom. We're so thankful for every good thing that you've done. Oh, we're thankful, Lord, for the church. We're thankful, God, for the impact of prayer. We're thankful, God, for the power of the gospel being preached. We're thankful for the privilege of feeling your presence on this Sunday morning. I thank you for every person here this morning, every family here this morning, every child this been ministered to in our children's ministry program. God, I thank you for every man, every woman, every young person, every child.
child, God, that is here today. We believe the anchor church as a body is going to make a difference in the body of Christ and in our community. Lord, let us think the way you think. Let us pray the way you would have us to pray and to do your will in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, clap your hands again and praise him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We are in a series about family. If you would grab your Bibles today and turn with me to the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel that is, and um, if you would turn there and verse 20, I'll tell you what, verse 19 and verse 28 of chapter one. Um, and we want to read that verse and then there's one more verse in chapter two, but let's look what it says. It's, it's after Eli had given Hannah the news, God is gonna grant you, God grant you your petition. It means she made a vow, I wanna have a baby. Everybody say, I wanna have a baby. Amen. Miracles can happen for some of you, amen. Happened to Abraham and Sarah, praise God. Uh, hallelujah. Sister Sarah Melick, if you tell us you're gonna have a child, amen, we're gonna be all excited, praise God. <laughs> you can't sit down on your pastor, Elder Tom. Look what it says, he said, the Lord grant your petition, verse 18, let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way, verse 18, and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Everybody say, no more sad. No more sad. Oh, it was no more sad. Look at your neighbor and smile. Say, it's gonna be all right. And they rose up in the morning, they being Hannah, her husband, and her husband, and worshiped before the Lord, and then, and then returned to Ramah. And, uh, and the Bible says, and the Lord remembered her. Look at verse 28. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. Hannah says, as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. Watch, and he, speaking of Samuel, Samuel, the baby that's now weaned, returned to the house of God, and he worshiped the Lord there. Praise God. Praise God. Everybody say amen. I'd like to preach to you today, it's, uh, really teach you, on the contrast of Samuel and his generation. The contrast of Samuel and his generation. You, you can be seated. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, I feel such a worship atmosphere in here. It, it feels electrifying to me already. Isn't it great to be in the house of God? I mean, it, it really is. It really is. Um, when, when, you, when you begin to look at the word of the Lord, you, you're going to find in, in Samuel, in, at least in, in the first few chapters, that it's, it's, it's the tale of two, uh, it's a comparison or a contrast between Samuel and Eli's sons. There's this contrast that is going on. And uh, I will read those in a moment and show you. Um, but to lead up to that point, I feel like, that um, in the comparison of this, I feel like I need to pick up where I left off last week. Because even though Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, did great sins before the Lord and uh, caused really Israel to sin, to so much so that the air, the lamp of God went out, 
the word of the Lord was precious, meaning it was very rare in those days uh, because of the sin that was allowed in the priesthood, that it caused chaos and disconnect from the people that should have been worshiping. But what you will find is that Samuel flourished. Everybody say he flourished. In a, in a hypocritical, terrible uh, generation. He was able to flourish when everything around him was going wrong. The question is, how did Samuel make it through a hypocritical, sinful uh, generation sinning in abominations? How did it happen? I'm going to tell you how it happened. It happened because mama and daddy. And you can see this here because um, she was very sad. Just to reiterate, Hannah had been very sad because she couldn't have a baby. God, how many remember me teaching two weeks ago, she, she, God made her womb to be barren. How many know God did that? God made her womb to be barren. And why? The Lord showed me this in prayer. I studied it out. It's because he needed somebody to make a vow that that, that baby wouldn't be like every other baby. Not just having children to have children, but this baby was going to be different. She wasn't going to raise him. And so when he was born, she had made the vow that whenever he would be born, that his hair, no razor would come up on his hair. And uh, she had made these vows. God, I, I want to have a child. No razor will come up on his head. I will lend him to you. I will give him. And when she made that vow, had prayed in the house of God so passionately, Eli marked her mouth because he thought she was drunk. How many know she was passionate? We get your neighbor and say she wasn't drunk. She was passionate. And, and, and when he saw this and realized that she wasn't drunk, he had rebuked her strongly. He said, the Lord is going to grant your petition. He's going to give you that child. God's favor, his grace be upon you. He has heard your prayer. Isn't it a relieving feeling to know that your prayer has been heard? How many believe God hears us when we pray? He hears us when we pray. Amen. She said, he's not going to be like every other baby. He's not going to be like every other child. I'm making him a vow. He's going to be used to the Lord. He's going to be a Nazarite. That's why his hair, because a man's hair would have always been short. Uh, Jesus's hair would not have been long as depicted in, in the old pictures. Jesus was a Nazarene, not a Nazarite. A Nazarite's vow was his hair was not to be cut. A Nazarite vow would have been either you could have a Nazarite vow for a month, a year. Uh, in some cases, you'll find a Nazarite vow was a lifetime such as Samuel, meaning his hair would have never been cut his whole entire life. If you would have seen a Jewish boy with long hair, you would have known that's a Nazarite. He's not, not only is he a Nazarite, he's not eating of the vine and he doesn't go to funerals and will not touch dead things. He has been separated for a specific purpose. Can you say amen? A Nazarite guards his atmosphere, what he's around, and he guards what he consumes. He doesn't just let anything in his system. He doesn't eat what everybody else eats. He doesn't eat the king's meat, if you will. There is something special about him. He has been, the word is holy, or holiness means separated, not just from, but separated unto. That means he is a Nazarite, meaning that God is going to use him for a specific purpose. He doesn't look like everybody else. He doesn't stay in the atmospheres that everybody else is in. Neither will he consume what everybody else consumes. 
may I say to the church today that you are now a priesthood. You're not just saved and not going to hell. You are a priesthood and we should not look like everybody else. We should consume what everybody else consumes and our atmosphere should be different. That's right. The Bible says he made us kings and priests unto our God. Somebody shout holiness unto the Lord. She made these vows. He will not be like everybody else. He will not eat what everybody else eats. He will not go where everybody else goes. Doesn't that sound familiar in the New Testament teaching? And so when you see this, uh, she made the vow. The priest says unto her, oh, God grant you your petition. When she hears it, you know what she does? When she hears it, the Bible says that in verse 19, and they arose up in the morning early and worshiped. Everybody say they worshiped. When they started worshiping, it says, and the Lord remembered her, and it says that um, her countenance was no more sad. When she received the word that her petition was gonna be answered, she's, she no longer was sad, and she began to worship. Can you say amen? So the next year, nine months later, or, or maybe a little more, not sure exactly, but in the next year, she had a baby bouncing boy in her arms. Oh, when she would look at him, she knew God had opened her womb and had given her this baby. She weaned him. I told you, I don't think he would have been dropped off at the house of God at age three because there's not much benefit in the house of God with a three-year-old you got to babysit all day. You imagine somebody bring your, your three-year-old and said, the Lord wants to bless you. You're not going to get much done with a three-year-old in the house. Can any moms or dads relate with that? Six-year-old, maybe, can be some. My personal opinion, I believe he was around the age of 12. Uh, I do know that he would not have been already grown because the Bible says she made him a little, a little coat. That means it was a, a, a small coat and every year he, she would bring him a garment and cover him and uh, every year she'd bring him a new garment that would have matched his, 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 the size of his body. So maybe around the age 12. But this is what I want to bring to you where I left off last week and it's simply this. When she brought him to the house of God and she, she brought him there and she said, Samuel, because every year they come for the, the sacrifice. When they brought him to the house of God and said, Samuel, here he is. I have prepared him. I have weaned him. I have brought him to you. I have lent him to the Lord for as long as he's alive. I've given him back to the Lord so he can serve the way God has intended for him to serve. When she drops him off, you would have thought her demeanor would have been remorseful. Oh, oh, just, just Elkanah, her husband, just get me out of here. I can't stand, cry tears. And this boy would have had a look at his mama that had gave up her son. And she's so begrudgingly, so broken and so sad. That would have been hard for Samuel to handle. But her countenance was sad, what? Everybody say, no more. When she brought him to the house of God and they, they, they did their obeisance to the Lord and had, watch this, and had, had did the sacrifice as it was in the law, you'll find that when she looked and she dropped him there at the house of God, put him there in, in the house of God, and she looked and Samuel worshiped. 
He didn't just worship. He worshiped in the same word that Hannah had worshiped when she found out that she was going to have a baby. It was the same word for worship as it was in Samuel, as it was for Hannah. Let me just put it this way. He started worshiping like mama worshiped. And when she saw him bow in obeisance of gratefulness, because she wasn't just nursing him, uh, she wasn't just feeding him, she wasn't just raising him, she was telling him, God's hand is upon you. There is greatness in your life. I know you don't look like the other kids down the street. I realize you don't eat what they eat. You don't consume. You don't even go where they go. But Samuel, listen, the hand of the Lord is going to be upon you. There is great. You're different, not just to be different. You're different because God's going to do something mighty. God's going to do something wonderful. Come on. Biblical holiness, biblical teachings, going to church on Sunday. Well, if we don't, the pastor's gonna be mad. Oh, that should never be the reason. We don't do this, we don't go here. There, there, there's, a, there's an old song they used to sing when I was a boy. We don't smoke and we don't chew. There's not much that we can do. It should never be a, a concept that we can't. We can't. Going to church is about we can't. There are things straight as a gate and broad as a way that leads to destruction. But straight as a gate and narrow as the way, yes, there's limitations. Yes, there's limit. There's, there's things we don't do. There's places we don't go. There's words we don't say. There's immodesty, things we do not wear. There, there's, there's, there, listen to me, young people. There is dating restrictions that you have not to keep you from the pleasures of fun in teenage years. There's reasons because you are preserving yourself from marriage, as God said, because we want to be in alignment with God's word. It's not you can't, you can't, you can't. It was old Samuel. There's something great about you. I know I'm supposed to be teaching, but I'm preaching right now. There's something great about you. God's going to do something wonderful in you. It's going to be amazing. And watch what happens when he bows in this and starts worshiping the Lord. I don't think he was just bowing. I think that he was bowing realizing I am in the plan of God. When Hannah sees her baby start worshiping in the house of God, chapter two starts being written. Amen. And this is what she did before she left. Oh, can I, can I just do this the way I feel it this morning? Watch what it says. And Hannah prayed. And Hannah prayed. Look, look at the next, next couple things. And said, my heart, my heart, what? Rejoiceth. You know what that means? It means to leap. It means to leap with excitement. When she saw her baby worshiping in the house of God, she started leaping. I'm gonna tell somebody what I feel. Some of your children are not worshiping in the house of God, but they're getting ready to start worshiping in the house of God. They're gonna be a leaping that's gonna happen. Some of your children might be wayward. Maybe it's been years since they've been in the house of God, but there's about to be an indrawing of God's presence to pull them back to where they need to be because God's got, oh, does any parent believe that or what that God is gonna restore your children. Hey man, I gotta calm down. I gotta, I'm gonna have to behave myself. And he worshiped the Lord there. Everybody, everybody just bow forward, would you? Just bow. That's what it meant. Oh, she was, I don't think she was just 
It does mean obeisance to a higher authority. It means to bow into it, be like if a king walked in the room. That's what it was. But that's what they were doing. Oh, the king of glory. Uh, what does the Bible talk about the gates and the king of glory has come in? When they were doing that, what they were recognizing is the king is here. Not religious obligations because of some uh, religious formality. Oh, no. They were worshiping this is unto the king. This is unto God. This, the Lord, is in our midst. And any time that somebody's truly worshiping, you are recognizing that the king is in the building. So listen to me. There's sometimes people get emotional here. I don't think it was just, oh no. I think there was such overwhelming gratitude that was inside of not only Hannah in verse 19, but in her son Samuel at maybe age 12 in verse 28, that when she was grateful, God is going to, God is going to answer my prayer. There was this gratitude of worship. God has heard me. And when Samuel gets there in the house of God, he doesn't say, he starts, oh, God is with me. Oh my, I feel the Lord here. Somebody shout, God is with me. There's, there's, there's times in church we need to be emotional to the Lord. There's times when we need to be quiet and listen. There's times we need to be grateful. Somebody say amen. And when she, she left him and he was worshiping, the next verse says, and Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoiceth. Everybody say, my heart rejoiceth in the Lord. There was this exuberance. Now, if my mom dropped me off and started shouting, I'd probably question that a little bit. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't just that. She had walked with him day after day after day after day and trained him, not raised him. You raise chickens, you train children. And uh, she had trained him. This is what God's going to do. This is why your hair is long. This is why you can't eat the vine. This is why you can't go to funerals. And uh, she trained him. They're special. By, and uh, and she, would, she would have seen, he would have seen her worship. And uh, look at your neighbor and say, your children need to see you worship. And he watches her walk. When, when he, Samuel looks up, he, said, he sees his mom. My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth, my mouth is enlarged over my enemies. Boy, she's, she's really getting some boldness here. She's realizing God is with her. I wonder what would happen if you thought God wasn't against you, but he was now for you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's not against you, he's for you. I wish somebody would say, God wants to bless me. She said, because I, what? Rejoice in thy, this is, a, this is actually written in theology. This is called Hannah's song. Not just Hannah's prayer, this is Hannah's song. She said, my mouth is open against my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. It's amazing what happens when you get excited about being right with God. Somebody say amen. She said, there is none holy as the Lord. There is none else beside thee. Neither, neither, neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. And I can just see Hannah worshiping. She's being emotional. The bows of the mighty men are broken. and uh, Excuse me, the bows of the mighty men are broken. And they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full of, uh, they, they that were full have hired out themselves for bread and they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. She's saying the table has turned now. 
Now I was, I was the one hungry, but now I'm the one full. The ones that were full are now the ones hungry. She was saying the enemies that were against me have now, are now suffering. And uh, somebody say amen. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. It's very prophetic what she's saying, not just poetic, but it's very prophetic. He will keep the feet of his saints. I think somebody ought to shout about that. My, my feet shall not slip, amen. And the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength shall no man prevail. She said, verse 10, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth and he shall give strength unto his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. In essence, what she was saying is the Lord has blessed me and everything that has been against me has now shriveled up, is now feeble and has been weakened. She is rejoicing and Samuel watches his mother sing a song about there's only one up there, amen, his, his, his throne. How does it say? There's, there's none holy as the Lord, for there's none beside him, neither is there any rock like her. He's the stability. Uh, talk no more, sing it proudly. She talks about how the, the bows of the mighty have been broken. And when Samuel sees mama worshiping, it preserved something around him. You know what it was? It's gonna be all right. Somebody shout, it's gonna be all right. Church life cannot be a place where it's always grieving, bitter tears, and intercession and sacrifice. There has to be a balance. Everybody take your hand, lift it up your neighbor's chin, maybe get wake him up a little bit, but, but take your hand. It's the balance of yes, there's times of intercession. But guess what? There's times of rejoicing as well. There's times of tears, but there's times of excitement. We need songs in the church about, we need songs about the altar and tears and sacrifice. But we don't only need songs about sacrifice, amen. We need songs that are happy, songs that are rejoicing. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You've gotta have something that causes the children to realize this isn't about what I give up. This is about what I'm gonna have, amen. There's not just a hell, there's a heaven. There's not just an altar, there's an answer. There's not just sacrifice, there's fire. Praise God. Hallelujah. You come to this church, it doesn't matter if it's Wednesday or Sunday, these altars will be filled with young people. Everywhere I go, there are young people, young people by the hundreds, even in some cases where I'm going, by the thousands that are in attendance at camp meeting. Why, why? Because there's something here in the church that's not just about going to the house of God, they have seen people ahead of them. They said, oh, when I, can I say to some of the people in the building that have gray hair, when you look over your life and you see everything God's brought you through and there's a smile on your face, joy in your heart, and you say, it was worth the trip. God's been better to me than anything else. It causes them to say, I wanna go that direction. I wanna go. Now you brush your teeth this morning, so smile at your neighbor and say, it's really good. Everybody say, there has to be a rejoicing. 
Y'all get this? Everybody say rejoicing. Now, now look at verse 11. Verse 11. You know what rejoicing is? It's faith. Everybody say faith. How many of you love being around sad people? Oh, I just can't wait to hang out with sad people and talk about the bad things of life. Amen. It's like turning on CNN. Wake up in the morning, read the obituary. Oh, bless your heart. Amen. Some of you feel guilty. Oh, my God, don't tell pastor I read the obituary every day. You know. Listen, we can't think about dying. There's got to be something about living. I, I thought of this the other day in the... I thought of this the other day when the Bible talks about we're us not against flesh and blood, against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of the world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Talks about the battle that we're in. But he said, put on the helmet of salvation. Your mind has got to be led by the fact I'm saved. No matter what comes against me, I know I'm saved. And your mind, Paul said, I think, now smile when I talk to you. Y'all better smile. I'm going to come after you. Amen. I think myself happy they're thinking about killing him he said you know I think myself happy you know what he did he went back everything God had ever done for him started talking about it don't ever base your present day problem removing you from every past great miracle and your tomorrow's promise and blessing what you gotta do is stop and say you know what God's good to me oh he's good to me so you have a helmet of salvation. When you know that you're saved, you will go through all kinds of things. It's the problem is when, is when you take off the helmet of salvation, go through something, well, I deserve it because 25 years ago I did this and did that. And you start pulling, you, you go in the sea of forgiveness, throw your fishing pole, get a snack, and start pulling up all your stuff that God has forgiven, say, I'm worthy of all the things that are going wrong in my life. You're not going to be fun to hang out with. Thanksgiving dinner is not going to taste very good with you. Are you with me? A good cup of coffee is going to get bitter. Because the only thing you think about how well you deserve the bad things. But listen to me. You not only have a helmet of salvation, you have a shield of this, a shield of what? Everybody faith. Hold your shield of faith up. It shall quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And the shield of faith, when the enemy is trying to take you out, because there's nothing more powerful than a person that believes they can have what God's told them they can have. There's nothing... And you get, come on, get your shield of faith out. And when the enemy's attacking you, you have a shield that says, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's getting better. That's what Samuel saw in Hannah. And when Samuel saw in Hannah, it's going to be all right. There was something that covered him when everything else around him was going wrong. Somebody shouted, it's going to be all right. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be all right. Don't forget what Sundays represent. For, for the slide that I taught on that Wednesday night about, about at the end of every day, it was darkness. He said, let there be light. Was day one completed? But he stopped at the end of the day and what did he do? He turned over the day that he had worked and he said, and it was good. Knowing tomorrow there's more to come. So you have to, oh, jump your feet and help me just for a minute. Jump your feet, everybody face this way because I'm teaching you because some of you already forgot about it. Face, face over yesterday. Would you do that? Everybody say, and it was good. good. Now I want you to turn 180 degrees and say, oh, it's going to be good. Every, watch this, 
Every day, you need to take time in your day. Some of you work till you fall. After a good meal. You work till you fall, and you don't ever thank God. You don't ever say, man, the Lord blessed this day. It was a good day. You just go to sleep and get up the next day. Don't even think about the Lord. But he said, when you wake up, you ought to say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. He knows what's ahead of it. He know, and I will rejoice. Come on, somebody shout, it's going to be great. He reflected and then expected. Everybody say, reflect and expect. You know what Sabbaths are? What did he do on the Sabbath? Every day he stopped the day by saying, looking over the day and said, everybody just look that way. You don't have to turn, but look that way. Say, it was good. Everybody look that way and say, it's going to be real good. At the end of the week, he rested. We call it Sundays for us. Is That's where you reflect over your week. And he said, and it was very good. It's finished. Everything I need to do, I did. But you know what you've got to do on this day, on a Sunday, when praise and worship starts at 11 o'clock? There ought to be something in you that says, oh, thank you for what has been good this week. And God, I want to thank you for what's going to happen next week. Amen. It's, it's a rejoicing. When I, woo, you know why Hannah worshiped? Because she knew there's a baby on the way. You know why Hannah worshiped? Because she knew there was greatness in her son, which she has trained up for the greatness of God. Somebody shout, expect good things. Now say this with me. You'll get what you expect. You expect bad, it's what's going to happen. But if you expect good, it's called faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. Somebody clap your hands and rejoice. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody feel like rejoicing right now? Anybody feel like going to rejoice for the revival in your family, revival in your mind, the revival in your spirit? Hallelujah. 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 Oh, come on, it's Samuel's mother. Come on, bride of Christ. There's greatness for the church. There's greatness ahead of you. Thank you, Lord. Somebody shout, thank you, Lord. Rejoicing is as much as Christianity as repentance. Baptism, infant of the Holy Ghost. You need to have in your repertoire in your, does that make sense? I don't even know what it means. Is that a word? In your armor. Not just a sword, but faith. Woo, I feel you. Be seated. Be, be seated. Are you okay? I, I haven't even got to the contrast. I'm going to tell you what Samuel had in him. It's going to be all right. Everybody say, it's going to be all right. Here's, here's, here's a verse. I want, I want to show you something about, about rejoicing. I remember as a young man, uh, 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 a young man, I was 15, I believe, and a guy came to my house and threw pebbles at my window. 5.30 in the morning. People that's been in church for 20 years don't have to pray at 5.30 in the morning because we don't even have to pray. Come on, people raising that can think that way. 
We become methodical instead of intentional. I'm being sarcastic for all those watching right now. That you know we have to pray. But we don't want to inconvenience ourselves because we didn't ever have to come out of anything. I'm meddling now, and I need to get back to my message, but I'm the preacher's kid raising this, healed before I could ever make a repentance. My crooked feet healed before I could ever make a choice for God. Blessed by the benefits of my parents' sacrifice and their rejoicing. Those rocks at my window at 5 30 in the morning, I remember looking up. The older I get, the harder it is for my eyes to wake up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, even at 15, I looked out the blind, and he said, Let's go pray. Let's go to the church and pray. I live beside the church. And I thought to myself, I don't want to go to the church and pray. It's 5.30 in the morning. But for his sake, I did. I went over there and put myself together because I'm 15 years old raising this. I should be wanting to pray. And he's a new convert that had been delivered from alcohol and, and a life of sin and brokenness. And God had really started putting everything in his world back together very quickly. He was, he was the one rejoicing. I was the one satisfied. I went over to the church and I... You know, if you put a hoodie on and you pray in the wintertime and you put your head over the vent, the air will blow up through the, through the hoodie and it'll puff your sleeves out. It's like a blanket. You can... Professional Pentecostal. Amen. And uh, uh, I was there, there more trying to stay awake than I was praying. And from my ear, I was on this side of the church and he's at the center Kenny started praying. I heard him start singing, When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, my soul cries out, Hallelujah! Thank God for saving me. It was 5.30 in the morning, somewhere between 5.30 and 6, and it hit me. What am I doing here with a hoodie on at a vent that I don't want to even want to be praying at because I'm saved? I'm just going, I, there was no rejoicing in me. But I thought if he can praise him for the deliverance, I can praise him for things he's kept me from. I can praise him for a mom and dad. I can praise him for the church. Oh, is there anybody that feels... It, something got in me at 15. Something got in my soul. Something got in my spirit. Something got in my heart. And I said, I'm not gonna let somebody come in out of the world out worship me. I'm not letting somebody come in and be more excited about salvation than I am. I know I didn't have to have chains broken. I had to be saved like everybody else, but I didn't have to come out of the ditches that my family had brought me into. Oh no, I, 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 something changed in me. I said, I'm gonna be a rejoicer. I'm gonna be a praiser. I got up that day and made my mind up. I'm gonna thank him for everything he's ever done. That's why you hear me talk about crooked feet being healed. Because when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all, there's a rejoicing. There's a rejoicing. Somebody shout, he's been good to me. Watch what rejoicing will do. It's compared to this in Job. Job makes this statement. Everybody say rejoicing. It's a hand clapping, foot stomping, tongue talking. Oh, Pentecostal Apostolic Church. Oh, it's a hand clapping, foot stomping, tongue talking. Oh, Pentecostal Apostolic Church. Well, I went to church and everybody complained. One guy stood up one time and said, if there's anything I can do for your poor people, here's my business card. I'd be glad to help you. That should never be the church. 
That wasn't here, by the way, amen. What am I saying? There's gotta get something in you that says, I'm not going to the house of God to sit down. I'm not going to fulfill religious obligations. He answered my prayer. He's gonna do great things in my future. Woo! It's exciting. He healed my body. He saved my soul. He touched my mind. Somebody shout, a downpour. How many drove through a downpour today? Watch this. There's a rule that the Bible talks about how you get clouds that bring downpours. Look at Job. Job 36. Go ahead, throw it up there. For, read it with me. Hold on a minute. Do y'all want to go to a church where we can go to sleep? Or you want to go to a church where there's rejoicing? You take the rejoicing out of the church, there will be no young people. There will be no young families. Because people don't want to go to a church where there's no future. And you cannot separate praise from prophecy. Hear me? You cannot separate praise from prophecy. Anytime somebody starts praising, there's, there's a prophetic tongue that comes. When I start thanking him for what he's done, I start saying, I think he's getting ready to do something great. You can't separate the two. Rejoicing is powerful because it always births future. One lady was discouraged. I heard the story many years ago. One lady was discouraged. She was so discouraged and having trouble and issues. And she went to the, because the battle seemed to be great in her life. And how many know that happens in seasons? But she, she came to the altar. She said, Lord, I just want you to know that I'm going to leave the church. She said, but before I go, there's a few things that I just wanted to say to you because you have good to me. And I just wanted to tell you that before I go and go back to the world, I just want to mention a couple of things before I go. And she said, I remember there was a time I didn't have two nickels rubbed together and had no food to feed the family. She said, but I remember I prayed and you provided all the food we needed for the family. She said, before I go, I just wanted to say thank you for providing for my family. She said, Lord, also, I want to tell you that when my husband was a mean drunk, I prayed and sought God for him. And, and Lord, you, you saved him. He's no longer addicted to alcohol, no longer the way he was. And he's become a good man. And I just want to say before I go, thank you for doing that for my husband and my family. Then all of a sudden it hit her. God, if you've done those things before, I think you might be able to do some things again. And she said, God, I can't walk out on you now. You've been too good to me. I, I just want to say, God, I know it's going to be all right. Somebody shout glory. Come on, that's why the lepers gotta go back and say, before I move forward, thank you for healing me of my leprosy. When you start thanking him, something else is on the way. I want you to take one hand and say, if you'll thank him, something else is coming. Some of you, God's hand is like that right now. It's sitting over, it's sitting over you like this. God's hand is like this over you. And he can't release the next until you thank him for the last. So Job declares it this way. For he, you can be seated. For he maketh small, speaking of God, maketh small the drops of water. They pour down rain according to the... The clouds pour rain proportionally to the vapor thereof. Next, which the clouds do drop and to steal upon man abundantly. 
Praise God. Here's what he's saying. It takes vapor to go up to form clouds that will send the rain back down. It was teaching us that praise and a thankful heart is, is like a vapor that you send up. Prayers are the same way. The Bible says angels take your prayer. They deliver them to the throne of God. They are put in a vial, a golden vial. They are stirred. They're called the prayer. Everybody say the prayers of the saints. Oh my goodness. I've got a couple minutes here. Prayers of the saints. They stir them and at the appropriate time, he takes the vial and God pours those answers back out. You can't have an answered prayer until you pray and you can't have the next blessing until you thank him in praise. There's a difference between praise and worship. Praise is thanking him for what he's done. Worship is thanking him for who he is. Worship comes from the word worthship, meaning he's worth. You're, I extol you, I adore you, you're the king, you're the great, you're, you're the provider, you're my doctor, you're everything that I need, you're my savior. Come on. And he said, the blessing that's on the way is proportional to the praise that I send up to him today. And I just feel like there's got to be some rejoicing in the anchor. There's got to get some rejoicing in the mama. Come on, I thank you for my baby. I thank you for my baby. Woo, come on, let's do that. That's why we clap our hands. That's why we wave our hands. That's why we leap for joy. That's why we, that's why we stomp our feet every now and then. Because we're emotionally grateful. Hallelujah. Everybody say rejoice. When should you rejoice? Always, evermore. Somebody shout rejoice. Amen, so that's why you're going to see hand clapping and foot stomping and leaping for joy and dancing and shouting. Every now and then the church is going to say, Woo! You know what that means? I feel good. That's what that means. I feel the blessing. I told Sarah this morning, I said, my heart is fulfilled. I didn't get to the contrast, but I'm in a series, so I'll, I'll take care of it next week. We'll get to the contrast. But Samuel made it because Mama was a prayer warrior and she was a rejoicer. She's not just a crier. She's a rejoicer. Your kids can be sealed in the rejoicing of the, their future. Somebody shout, mama needs to praise him. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to praise him. I know it's 1045. I want you to lift your hands and just love him before we transition here in the next service. Come on, that's it. That's it, that's powerful. Oh, I'm so thankful. I am so thankful. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.